From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 89. Today's show is brought to you by Braintree and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley. I had the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Mike. Hello, Federico. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am very well, and I am very happy. Stephen has returned to us. I am back. Did you find what you were looking for? Well, it turns out I was just looking for you, Mike. Well, so I came back. We, I mean, we told all of our listeners where you were last week, hunting IMAX. <laughs> yeah, it's not entirely true. Well, uh, I am picking up the last one today, though. Exactly. See, the hunt was the hunt was uh, was on. Nice T- today, this afternoon. So I will have um, all thirteen. There's a photo from Instagram in the show notes of twelve of the thirteen this weekend. So it's it's all it's almost done, and I have the first video up hopefully by the next time we record the show. Have you ever watched uh, Dragon Ball, the anime, Stephen? Uh, I am familiar with it. Yes. You know when when they collect all of the seven Dragon Balls, they can invoke the the, the dragon. So you should do a similar uh, ritual with the IMAX. Maybe you can invoke uh, Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, you're looking to make a YouTube video. That would be a bit of a success. That would that would definitely uh, increase my YouTube revenue from the seventeen dollars it is right now. You could at least yes. make nineteen. I know. Oh man, YouTube revenue is a disaster. Yeah. It's a dumpster fire. Uh, I don't. I have a spreadsheet of like things I spend money on and how much money I make from things. And the YouTube sheet uh, or like tab in that Google spreadsheet is just it's not good. Well, I mean, it's going to be horrific now that you have a plethora of computers to deal with. I mean, I only spent money on like half of them. Oh, that's okay uh, then. Did you uh, <laughs> did you work out what you're doing with them when this is all done? Like when I'm done with the videos? Yeah. No. No. I have an idea. No. Okay. You should do you should do a scavenger hunt in Memphis. <clears throat> so you you place each iMac in a secret location, and then you gather a bunch of connector listeners to come to Memphis and do a scavenger hunt. To find all of the IMAX. But then what? The idea is people get to keep them? Nobody wants them. <laughs> no, no, wow. you get to keep them. It's just a funny way to engage listeners. <laughs> Very expensive. Uh, <laughs> details, details. Uh, listeners, fly to Memphis, which is expensive to fly in and out of. And uh, you could drive around in a city and find a 40-pound computer, and then you have to bring it back to me. And then you can uh, leave. There's no prize. <laughs> there's no prize. Just a pat on the head. I may have to do something to counter y'all's uh, rogue European connected meetup. Oh yeah, there's uh, news on that front. Um, okay, the the event is bigger now. Uh, I sent out this morning about another eighty tickets to the waiting yeah. list. Yeah, um, yeah. We have increased the size of the venue. Uh, we cannot make it any bigger than this. So don't sign up anymore. If you haven't got an email from us saying you have a ticket, you probably won't get one. Uh, but that yeah, that's all going ahead and it's going crazy. Uh, I will mention this later on, but if you're coming to the event, please buy a few drinks because otherwise we will be given a big bill at the end. So yeah. <laughs> please bear that in mind. Please also drink responsibly. Drink uh, responsibly, yeah. but... Buy a lot of them. <laughs> you can give them away <laughs> if you want. Like, But yeah, just remember those two things. Buy lots of drinks and drink responsibly. Yeah, That is what, the, what we're The two about. things are not mutually exclusive, you know? Exactly. This event, uh, I'm very excited about it, but I'm probably a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of people that are coming. Yeah, it's a lot of people, Mike. Well, we have issued 150 tickets to this event. 
What are we going to do? That's bigger than the WBC event. I know. (laughs) Well, we have a bigger venue. It's cheaper in London. Um, I don't really know what we're going to do. I guess hug people or something. I mean, there's going to be 150 people and the two of us. Mm -hmm. What if they put us in the middle and they decide to do nasty things to us? I mean... I'm trying not to worry about that. (laughs) It's called... Is it called the drawing room for some reason? Like, do people have to... Bring Apple pencils and iPads and do sketches? No, a drawing room is like a fancy room with nice chairs and books and stuff. And we have a private bar and a roof terrace. But it's going to be fun. It is. And there's going to be a lot of people. <laughs> if you sign up for the uh, waiting list, please check your email. We're very excited to see everybody there on the 10th of June. Stephen, follow up. Yes, it is time to do some follow up. And we're going to start with a uh, tweet put forth by listener Robert. And Robert asked... Um, is the Apple Watch becoming like the iPod? iPod was a multi-platform gateway for PC users entering the Apple ecosystem. Uh, and then he follows his tweet saying Apple Watch for Android. So I think I want to divide this into two sections of comments. Um, what Robert is talking about is the iPod halo effect. This idea that the iPod was so great. And you think about it in the heyday of the iPod, like 2003, 2004, 2005, in the pre-iPhone era. The iPod was so great, and when they released it for Windows and had iTunes for Windows, um, the Steve Jobs quote is like uh, handing someone in hell a, a glass of ice water. Unfortunately, that ice water was laced with iTunes, so not so great. But um, the idea that this iPod is so great, the Mac must be great. And the Mac really benefited, and Apple really benefited from this effect. The iPod would bring people into the ecosystem, and the next time they needed a computer, they'd buy a Mac. That is definitely a thing that happened with the iPod. I am not sure. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that it can't happen uh, with the watch for a couple of reasons. One, the watch is not nearly as good as the iPod was in its heyday. Um, at what it's supposed to do. At what it's supposed to do. Like The hardware is great, except for the weird button I don't know what to do with, but it's not um, this like runaway product the iPod was currently. Uh, at least in the in the the same sense that the iPod was, where you could you could have the iPod operating as a solo Apple device in a completely PC environment, because the watch is married to the to the iPhone. Of course, then he asked, "Was well, Apple Watch going to come for Android?" I don't um, I don't see that happening. I think that Apple thinks the watch is really precious, and that letting someone with a Android phone use it seems like something they're not willing to do. And I, I could be wrong, but it just doesn't strike me as something that the company uh, is going to do. I think as well, something worth remembering is like Apple put the iPod on Windows. It gave it Windows support because Apple were in a very different scenario to how they are now. And they kind of needed it, right? They needed to put, if they wanted to sell more iPods, they had to have Windows support so they could get to Windows users. Right. There are lots of iPhones in the world. Apple mm-hmm. would be very happy if they even sold an Apple Watch to 10% of those people. They don't need to start putting it on Android. They have already have a big enough customer base to sell it to. That's an excellent point. Um, yeah. the, the, the halo effect isn't really something that they're looking for right now. No. And it, there can't be a halo effect, as you said, when somebody who buys an apple watch is already in the ecosystem it doesn't they've already right. had an iphone it doesn't yeah. really work out that way 
There's also two fundamental differences from, from the past. Uh, the first one is that I wonder how many premium Android phone owners haven't already uh, moved to an iPhone. Apple likes to argue that they've captured a lot of the premium Android market with Android switchers who have moved from Samsung or you know a premium high-end HTC to an iPhone. But the second point is the Apple Watch, unlike the iPod, it's really dependent on features that are just for the iPhone. So you could buy an iPod and you could connect it to iTunes on Windows and it would be mostly the same iTunes. You know, you can sync songs, you can manage playlists, and it's really the same program on Windows as it is on the Mac. Uh, but with the with the Apple Watch, a lot of the iPhone features, such as HealthKit or Touch ID or many other system integrations are not available on Android. So it would be a subpar experience. You know, it wouldn't be the real Apple Watch experience that you get with an Apple Watch and an iPhone with an Apple Watch and an Android phone. Plus, there are also a selection of really good Android Wear watches yeah. available for Android users. Like, I don't really see why uh, an Android phone user would be like, "Ah, oh, the Apple Watch looks so good. I'm going to switch to the iPhone." Like, they would just buy an Apple, uh, an Android Wear watch, of which there are many really great ones, really, really good looking devices that have good functionality. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good point. It's a good. It's a good kind of thought experiment. Um, but I, I just think that this, fundamentally the situation is very, very different now to what it was in like 2004. Yeah, it's it's interesting too comparing the size of the Apple Watch market to the iPod market. And, you know, Apple like hid the Apple Watch in the sort of other category. So they haven't really said specifically how many units they've sold, how much money they've made. Uh, but there was a link on Daring Fireball just the other day uh, talking about this. And there's a, a bit from Gruber, uh, the iPod never generated more than $4 billion in revenue in a quarter, including holiday quarters. Um, and the iPad generated more revenue for Apple last quarter than the iPod ever did, even in its heyday. So the, it's not comparing iPod to Apple Watch, but iPod to iPad. Kind of, you know, putting things in perspective a little bit that while the iPod was huge uh, in the early 2000s, in today's scale of Apple, the company has grown so much. Uh, the iPod, you know, relatively speaking uh, wouldn't it be that big today and so this idea too that like um you know the watch could could generate the sort of revenue or the sort of impact for apple um really should be taken with a grain of salt that you know we we kind of y'all spoke about it last week with the quarterly results the ipad is still falling and even compared to the iPad, where it is today, the iPod was never as big. So just, it's all like, it, I agree with you guys. It's interesting thread of conversation, but it's sort of like saying that the iPod socks created a halo effect for the iPod. Like it's, it's sort of the wrong direction. I found some iPod socks recently. Yeah, I got a whole pack. Yep, that's what I found, except the green one. The green one has an iPod in it somewhere in the world. <laughs> just gone. It's, I know it's, I know that I have an iPod in one of those. I just don't know where the iPod is. Maybe it's in my sock drawer. Gotcha. A couple of weeks ago, um, we were uh, fretting a little bit about smart devices and kind of the future of them, right? You know, we were talking about issues at Nest and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, A piece of news that came out in the last week is that Nokia, for uh, reasons unknown, has bought Y-Things. Yeah. And this is just one of those things where it's like, I'm sure that Nokia have bought them because they can't make phones anymore. So they're buying a company that does smart devices. But this is just one of those instances where, you know, if if Twitter gets bought by Facebook, it doesn't really affect me 
in the long run. It's like, okay, a company owns this company. They're going to do whatever they're going to do with it. But if a company buys another company whose devices I have in my home to control my light switches and to turn my alarm clock on and off, (laughs) any changes that get made are going to affect me in a bigger way. And I think that this is like um, an unfortunate reality that we're in now that we're allowing technology companies to embed themselves further and further into our homes. Yeah, it's, I mean, Nokia, like, I I mean, I I don't know what they're up to these days, but. Well, this is what they're doing now. Like, they're just, how can we ride a wave that isn't smartphones because we're not allowed to make them? Yeah, there's that. Um, The, uh, your comment about, you know, having something that's like embedded in your home or like pivotal to like the your security or your family safety or something that definitely like makes me think i, I don't know if i said this but you now i've got a nest thermostat and i've already had thoughts like if we move at some point like do i put another nest thermostat up and like they're part of you know the alphabet family of companies but there's been so much turmoil over there it, it really makes you wonder about like, something that is like actually wired into your home like it, what happens if this company goes away um, you know, and I, I have a couple of Wythings products. I've got the watch, which we've spoken about, and I've got the smart scale, which I think Federico, you have as well. I have the smart body analyzer. It's the name. Yeah. That thing. Um, and both of those products are great and their software is pretty good. And I've been, you know, a happy customer of theirs. So I hope that, um, that Nokia allows them just to continue, um, doing their thing, but, uh, it'll be uh, yet another, kind of Internet of Things type company to, to now worry about. Yeah, it's like there's nothing to say that Nokia isn't going to do amazing things now that they own Y things, and there's nothing to say that they're not going to keep all their apps and services running, but there's a possibility of it. Like, we actually don't know, and and that's kind of the uncertainty, which isn't which isn't fantastic. Like I've been thinking, like I have a camera in my home now, the Canary. Uh, it could get bought by another company, and they could shut it down or whatever. Like I could get some terms of service change and then all of my images are uploaded somewhere. Like it's just, uh, it's interesting now that we're actually kind of inviting these technology companies in the things that they do and the changes that they make can have a bigger effect on us. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very happy that the, you know, I, I've been well known actually to in the past make many errors uh, when it comes to typing things. Mm-hmm. So there is even a website of my autocorrect issues called micchats.xyz. It is a Tumblr which people can submit to, which happens a lot. Uh, it is a, a thing that I do. Uh, Apple. There was a patent that came out. I saw this on The Verge this week. Uh, Apple is uh, has patented an idea to display to somebody the autocorrect issues. Like, so say, like for example, you get a text message, and the a word doesn't seem to make any sense. It's been autocorrected. The idea from looking at this patent is that you could press a button, and it would show you the recipient of that weird message the other things that could have been said. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So it's like a way for Apple to display to people in maybe in the messages app and elsewhere, hopefully what you're trying to say. And I think that this is fun. I think that it's it's cool of Apple if they're looking to get involved in this kind of meme. Um, and I would like to see something like this. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I mean, 
on the from from the sender point of view, uh, in some places Apple already does show you where autocorrect applies. You know, when when you get the little blue dots under under uh-huh. a word, is that when you when you when you see the autocorrect in effect? Yeah, that's when a word has been corrected. Yeah. And maybe, you know, this could be a way to bring that on the other side of a conversation and to show you an actual interface. Uh, I think it makes sense. You know, it could be, it could be fun. Because even if it doesn't show the correct word, at least what it does is indicates to someone that this word might be wrong. Yeah. And that's, that could be very valuable. Yeah, it shows you, it shows you what the other person might mean with, a, with, a, with what they typed. So I, I like the sense. sound of this. I think it could be fun. And I think you could... This is like one of those silly little features that you could package up in quite a nice way, right? It could be like a funny little thing that you could demo and, and it, it might make just a, a little change for people. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, it could go together with uh, some improvements to the system keyboard as well. So I think it makes sense. I really, really wish for that. I know we haven't spoken about that much recently and I'm sure we will soon, but for there to be a change to the uh, the system keyboard handling... Yeah, you know, I would love that greatly. We'll see. Um, last thing I just wanted to mention: I have a, uh, I bought another Apple Pencil for my second iPad Pro, um, and I bought another sticker for it. So if you remember, I had a pencil sticker, <laughs> like make it look like a yes. pencil. Yeah. Uh, somebody sent me a link to a website called SlickWraps. dot com. I bought my previous pencil sticker from Dbrand. Um, Slick wraps have lots and lots of options for pencil stickers. Uh, I bought one which is a green Crayola crayon. Ooh, nice! And okay. it, I, I've applied it, and it is—it's awesome. <laughs> I don't, you know, this is obviously uh, very not correct, if that makes sense, right? Like they have not asked Crayola, I'm sure, to use their branding. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think it's fantastic. And yeah. so now I have a, a a yellow HP pencil and a green Crayola crayon. So I wanted to ask you, Mike, how's the mm, people reaction to your uh, dual iPad setup going? Uh, are we are we looking for a future the people versus Mike Hurley series, or are people just accepting your your setup at this point? I've got to say, Federico. Overall, I'm getting uh-huh. a lot more. Uh, positive i have done this this is awesome then i am you are crazy hmm, interesting people seem to be more weirdly accepting of this than they were of the six plus which doesn't really make sense to me um but i'm very happy that people are, are getting it and i'm i i'm getting a lot of people just say to me that they have gone for an ipad pro and they are very happy with it and i'm getting a lot of people send me pictures yeah. on twitter and stuff of yeah. multiple iPads in use. Mm-hmm. So I'm very happy that people mm-hmm. are, are getting on board with the multiple iPad lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Everything went better than expected. So, yep. yeah. It's my favorite nice. kind of thing. All right, this week's episode is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy mobile payments. Maybe you're working on the next Uber, Airbnb, or GitHub. Well, why not use the same simple payment solution that helped these companies become what they are today. Braintree makes mobile payments so fast, easy, and seamless, it's almost like magic. You can add it to your app with just a few lines of code, and you're instantly ready to accept Apple Pay, Android Pay, PayPal, Venmo, credit cards, and even 
Bitcoin. And if some other new fancy way to pay comes along, you can bet your bottom dollar that Braintree will support that too. Braintree's fast payouts and continuous support means that you'll always be ready whether you're earning your first dollar or your billionth. See fewer abandoned carts and more sales with Braintree's best-in-class mobile checkout experience. To check it out for yourself, visit braintreepayments.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Braintree for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so um, Federico, Mine. something has happened with the Apple with Apple Music that I don't fully understand. Uh, it seems like it would be a good thing, but it's kind of confusing. There's a new API. So with iOS nine point three, Apple introduced a bunch of new uh, Apple Music APIs, but only last week I think they kind of promoted the API through the iTunes affiliate newsletter, and they also included more links to documentation and best practices for developers. So yes, there's some new stuff in iOS nine point three. Uh, what you what you might come across, you know, as a user is a new permission screen. Under privacy, I think media or media library, it's a permission setting to grant apps access to your Apple Music library. And what this does is, um, first, apps can look into your Apple Music subscription, see if you're a member, and see which country you're you're based in. And they can also uh, look up playlists in your account. They can add songs to a playlist. So as a user, you can already see these in action. For example, in uh, I think in Shazam, and I don't know if SoundHound already has this uh, integration, but basically now when you recognize a song with Shazam, you can then go into the song details and you can add the song to a playlist. So Shazam has been doing this for Spotify for years now, and now it's also possible for Apple Music. There are some limitations to this. Uh, you cannot, as a developer, build a full-on replacement for the Apple Music app. Uh, just because these APIs are kind of limited. You know, you can look up uh, a song's information just by product ID. Uh, so you cannot, you know, build a full music app replacement uh, on iOS. You can access playlists, you can access user information, you can see if you're a member. Uh, and there's going to be some interesting utilities for Apple Music coming out. I'm testing a bunch right now. Uh, but it's still not possible to say, I want to allow users to search, uh, you know, the entire Apple Music, or I want to allow users to see the For You recommendations in a third-party client. That's still not possible. Um, if you look at something like Sonos, uh, Sonos lets you see the top charts, lets you search, lets you view for you recommendations, custom playlists from the Apple Music staff. That's still not possible with the API. Uh, Sonos did a, did a close partnership with Apple, so that's still not available to developers. But it's, you know, it's, a, it's the beginning of something, hopefully. Uh, and of course, this is only on iOS. <laughs> yeah, would it be possible for somebody to develop with this API like a a new music discovery app? Like, so they look at the music that you have and suggest new things for you to add? Well, developers have been able to look into the full user library for a long time. And kind of curiously enough, that's still not protected by the new permission toggle. So the new permission toggle only uh, is only in place to let developers uh, manage playlists, essentially. Right. Right. Uh, there's a bunch of apps, for example, the new Song Shift that can look into your uh, music library and export it back to Spotify. That 
media library access that's still not protected by the privacy screen. So the privacy uh, screen is protecting write access, not read access. Exactly. Okay, and it allows apps to, to put media uh, into playlists, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think what we're looking for is the beginning of a more solid API to allow new music ex- experiences. But I don't think Apple wants to enable developers to build a full replacement. So to yeah. take, for example, the for you recommendations and to put them in a separate third-party client. I don't feel that's totally my speculation, but I don't feel like that's what Apple wants. They're just bringing more features to kind of allow developers of music utilities, such as Shazam or, you know, exporting utilities to do more, but not to build a full replacement. Are you happy with this API? Yeah, I'm I'm doing a bunch of cool things with the with the new Apple Music API. And if only, you know, the fact that uh apps like Songshift can now uh export back and forth uh playlists from Spotify to Apple Music and vice versa. That's cool, you know? That's useful. And uh and it works, you know, well. So I I think I'm happy. Yeah. They could do more, but you yep. know, that's a that's a good place to start. Maybe this is just the beginning of it though, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be awesome to see the full access that they uh, gave Sonos, but you know that's a that's a partnership because of the speakers and, and and all of that stuff. So for now, I think it's mostly okay. I would like to see a privacy toggle for read access. That's what I would like to see because it's kind of weird that you can uh, that any app can look into your song information, uh, and there's a privacy screen, but that's only for write access, not to re- for read access doesn't really make sense so maybe there's going to be a toggle in there for uh reading the library as well seems like a uh a, a mistake seems like an oversight that mm-hmm. will that will fix it yeah something um, else that happened last week that we we didn't cover but, uh, we kind of ran over time with uh talking about the apple results was logitech announced uh what they're calling the ipad pro smart connector charging dock nice snappy name there from logitech <laughs> um <laughs> this is the first non-keyboard accessory yeah. that uses the smart connector Yes. That's why this is interesting because we were talking about it. I've heard other people talk about it. Like it was kind of weird that it's been so long and it was just basically two keyboards that accessed it and nothing else when it is an open yeah. port for the MFI program like Lightning is. But here is something. Um, I haven't tried it out yet. I think this looks really nice, but I'm kind of not interested in this device for my own personal uses. Um, one of the main reasons for that is to charge this device, you have to take off the keyboard cover, which is just frustrating to me. Yep. Like, I would, where am I putting the keyboard cover then? Like, there <laughs> isn't a place for me to put it. Like, if there was some kind of way that I could just put the keyboard cover in the back of the stand, like if it had a little slot for that or something, that'd be great, but it doesn't. It, why would they do that? But it doesn't have it. Um, and also, something I find kind of weird about this product uh, is the amount of time that it takes to charge. So, it, this is a... a Big caveat of if no apps are in use, it will take around seven hours to charge the iPad Pro, which yeah. I'm not too keen on that. Once you try the 29 watt adapter, seven yeah. hours to charge, really, it's really you know quite the the downgrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my guess is that that is not a Logitech specific issue. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's just how much power can be drawn through that connector. Right. That smart connector can't handle. 
um, the sort of power that you get through the the lightning port. Um, but I mean, if you, I mean, if it charged faster, I guess it would be it would be a more attractive. But if you wanted to use an iPad Pro that was basically stationary all the time, then just that little bit of um, you know trickle power you know, would be fine. But yeah, uh, I mean, basically, this is a a dock for people that want to use a keyboard, right? Like mm-hmm. that that would be the really cool kind of use of this, right? You would put the thing there and you would just type away and like that's where you put your iPad on your desk and that's just a stand for it every day. Puts it in landscape mode, which I think makes a lot of sense for that, right? Like so you're sitting and writing. It's a really good product for that use. Um but I just I whilst I would love to have something where I could just put my iPad on my desk, I would actually quite like that a lot. I don't want to be taking the keyboard on and off, so I'm just going to use the keyboard cover as the stand for it, yeah. right? Like, that's just kind of where I am with that. I, I would guess, though, kind of the idea of using it like as a stand. Like, I wonder how easy it would be to get in a situation where the charger can't keep up with your usage. Like, if you're streaming Netflix on this thing, are you going to run your battery down even though it has uh, power applied to it? Or is it going to yeah. kind of come out in the wash and basically, you know, keep the the uh the current the current level so uh, i feel like it would give you more time but it wouldn't keep the battery up i mean maybe i mean <laughs> it's not a lot it's not a lot of power moving through that thing the and like i said i i assume this is a smart connector limitation i think it's something that could be interesting to see apple update this over time that what if the smart connector could take in the same sort of charge as you know say that 29 watt adapter can, can give out mm-hmm. um I think it's. I mean, I think it's good overall that people are doing more things with a smart connector. It's still only Logitech. They, you know, they make that keyboard clip-in case business. But um, I, I hope that other companies now, especially now that the nine point seven inch Pro is out, that more companies start using this smart connector in more interesting ways. Like I, I could see a world where, especially if they resolve this power issue, like I could just sit my iPad down in a bunch of different scenarios and it. It gain new capability. Like, what if you could sit it down and have a keyboard in front of it, like a, a musical keyboard, or or sit it down in front of like a. Uh, there's a company that makes a iPad compatible, like little uh, little mixer, and it comes with an app, and you have a lot of controls on the iPad, then you have some physical controls on the mixer itself. Like all that mm. sort of stuff would be possible through the smart connector if it becomes more like widely adopted. Um, and I guess that that's just going to take time, right? Because there's still only two iPads out of the 17 SKUs or whatever there are that have it. But um, it's a step in the right direction, I guess. What I've been thinking about, and actually I want to ask you too for for advice here. Uh, I struggle to use uh, iPad keyboards uh, because I have big hands and uh, a lot of the keyboards are small. And so they're not really comfortable for me to type on. So I've been thinking, maybe I should give the Apple Magic Keyboard a try and see how it works. I know that it's not a smart connector keyboard, it's a Bluetooth keyboard, but maybe, you know, a lot of people like it, and maybe it's big enough for me to type on, you know, long pieces and reviews, and maybe that keyboard combined with the Logitech stand, you know, if I'm sitting for three hours in a in a writing session and I need to get an article done, maybe that kind of setup would be more comfortable, like from a physical point of view, for my hands for typing. Do you guys use a Magic Keyboard with a with an iPad? Have you tried one? Uh, I have. Uh, so I I have the Smart Keyboard on my iPad 
and I'm, I'm using that more and more just for the convenience that it's always there. But the Magic Keyboard is my daily driver uh, at my mm. desk on the Mac and my desk here at the office. I've got one as well. And so if I, even now, as I've gotten more used to the Smart Keyboard, if I really have something long I want to write, it is tempting to put the iPad in a stand and use the the Magic Keyboard. And yeah, there's there's like... Sometimes you get some weirdness with, with like the Bluetooth connecting or whatever, but it has gotten much better over the years uh, than mm-hmm. it was in the early days. And with the smart keyboard being really easy to turn on and off, uh, or the, the magic keyboard, excuse me, uh, it's got a little power switch just around the end. It's very easy to make sure it's off on like oh. the old Bluetooth keyboards. It's really nice. like not too bad to throw in a bag or something and know that it's not going to wake your iPad up. Mm. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking. I about think it. it would be a lot better for you ergonomically as well if you're sitting down for that amount of time to be having a, a, a the iPad in a stand, which you could maybe put on top of some books or something to bring it to eye level and then use a keyboard in front of you, um, yeah. as opposed to what I assume you're probably doing now, which is kind of leaning over the iPad and typing on the glass. Or you yeah, know. yeah. I, th- I think if you're going to be sitting down for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. You know, to write a seventeen thousand word review or something. Yes, you yes. should probably be thinking about how you do this as if it were a desktop computer, so you can make the space a bit more ergonomically friendly for you. Um, so I actually think Federico that without a single doubt you should do this. I'm primarily thinking about this summer when I'm going to write the iOS ten review because last yeah. year when I did the iOS nine one, I ended up with a lot of issues with my on my wrists and i needed to do some physical therapy to right. kind of uh, fix those problems so i'm thinking maybe this summer i should have a more ergonomically friendly setup right without a single doubt mm-hmm. you have to do this if you were getting pains you must do this you have to have to change before you lose the ability to mm-hmm. make money right, you have to have to do this mm. yeah plus you know i cannot really dictate a review like uh, john did so no you don't want to get in that situation that unfortunately John is in, right? Where he has to do that. So make some changes now. Your body is telling you to do it. Buy one of these, buy a keyboard. Um, I would suggest personally, this is my own suggestion, looking at a more ergonomically friendly keyboard. Um, the Magic Keyboard hurts me. Uh, I use a Microsoft Sculpt keyboard. Um, I don't know if something like that would even work with iOS, but just take a look at some other options and see if there's anything that's good for you. Okay, we'll do that. Thank you. Just Thank in you. case, my friend. Just Thank in you. case. Thank you both. Uh, Stephen, you have a, an interesting topic this week. Yeah, so I thought we could maybe talk about some of the apps that we use while we're not working. We spent a lot of time over the last six months or so discussing our various ways that we work, mostly on iOS with the two of you. Um, But, you know, we do use our devices uh, for things outside of work. Although I think we all had a realization about that that we can get to. Hmm. Um, But I think it would be fun to talk about some of the things that we use sort of in our personal lives on our devices. And um, we have a list. I don't know, do we just want to go through it uh, like one at a time? We kind of walk through it. There's a lot of overlap in here, I think. Uh, or we could do our favorite round robin. We could do round no, robin. Yes, round <laughs> Let's robin. Let's just go round robin. Okay. All right. You're the only one who knows how it works, so tell us what to do. Just one at a time. <laughs> it's not difficult. So confusing. It's not difficult. All right, so I will start with day one, which if you're not familiar with, is a journaling app for the Mac and iOS. You can upload photos, write text, it put GPS locations in. 
and I, I used it a lot in the last week we were traveling through the Northeast and um, I did some of it while I was gone. But when I got home, I went through the, I don't know, 600 photos we had from the trip and I put some of my favorites into day one entries and it said, Hey, do you want to use the time and, you know, geolocation of the photo? And so if, if I look at my day one, I can see our trip all lined out, even though I put all the journal entries in one day. Um, and it's just a really nice way to have stuff for me to look at later. I really enjoy opening the app, especially on the iPad. It's really great. And kind of flicking through, you know, I've got, I don't know, I can open it. I don't know how many uh, years of journaling I have now on day one. And it's like I said, it's not all um, necessarily about like super in-depth, like journaling the way you think it is. But for a lot of times it's just a little photo and a um, and a little caption. So I've got stuff dating way back to 2010 in here and it's um it's got tags and search and a whole bunch of stuff like it's it's all the good things about journaling in a notebook uh but with all the like the pluses being able to do it with technology to have photos and uh the new versions even let you like this is the music i was listening to uh when i wrote this or this was the number of steps i had that day so it's it's fun it brings a lot of stuff in from your device and uh it's definitely something that i use on a regular basis it's been on my home screen for a long time yeah, day one's a good choice. I, I don't use it as often as you. I think I mentioned before, like I, I put in uh, big things that I'm proud of going to day one. So, you know, like personal and professional achievements I put in there. Um, I don't put a lot more in than that, but it's nice for that, that I have this little record of those types of things. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's my turn now? It is your turn now, Federico. Round okay. robin. Okay, so... My, it's actually, I'm kind of cheating here, uh, but it's two picks and it's uh, Spotify and Apple Music together. So before uh, I get all the comments that I'm using to, yes, I'm using two streaming services and I'll tell you why. So a few months ago, I think in January, I chose to give Spotify another try just because this is what I always do. I check in regularly with a different service or a different app, uh, you know, uh, of what I'm using right now, just to see what they're doing, what's the competition, you know, what it what's, what 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 it looks like, and to my surprise, I found out that I really enjoy the discovery process of uh, in Spotify. So thanks to Discover Weekly, uh, which is the playlist that they do each Monday to show you songs you haven't listened to, and thanks to Fresh Finds, which is a uh, a series of playlists that they publish each Wednesday for uh, upcoming artists and indie bands, that kind of stuff. I'm discovering a lot more new music, like artists that I've never heard of before, songs that I don't know, but that, that I actually enjoy a lot. And this is because Spotify, uh, you know, they, they do a lot of um, algorithmic kind of discovery uh, stuff that Apple doesn't do as much. And the basic truth is that in... Uh, four months of Spotify, I've discovered more bands and artists and songs than I did in nine months of Apple Music. Mm. But the two of them, Spotify and Apple Music, for me are complementary to each other because I still like Apple Music for a bunch of reasons. First is the exclusives. So, you know, a lot of the artists that I like have deals with Apple. So Drake, uh, Beyonce on iTunes, which is not really Apple Music, but you get the idea. Um, what's the other exclusive? I think the 1975s a while ago did an album on Apple Music. So there's a qu- quite a f- 
a few of the bands that I like, a few of the artists that I like do exclusives on Apple Music now. And I want to listen to those and I don't care about uh, using, you know, piracy because I don't have the patience or the time for that. I just want to pay and listen. And the second is I do appreciate the interface of Apple Music. I like it better than Spotify. It's more colorful. It's more... Uh, I want to say young, if it makes sense. It's just uh, Spotify is kind of dull and dark and black and kind of boring after a while. So what I do is I use Spotify as my daily music streaming service. Uh, I listen to Discover Weekly almost religiously every week. And I, and I listen on Spotify if only because the next week I'm going to get recommendations based on what I was listening to. And those recommendations are, for me, more skewed towards discovery uh, than Apple Music. Apple Music, the intro to playlists, uh, tend to give me stuff that I already know. Whereas at this point in my life, I want to discover stuff I don't know. And I feel like Spotify, in that regard, uh, serves me better. But Apple Music, I like for the ex- uh, for the exclusive stuff they do. I like it just to browse the front page, which is fun and full of stuff you can click click on. So I'm using both, and I think Christina uh, also uses both. She, she kind of turned me into this idea of using multiple streaming services. So I spend a lot of my free time after work, uh, just like hours listening to music, and uh, yeah, using two services. It's expensive, and I don't recommend it, but it works for me. This is why I was thinking it would be nice if there were apps that could replicate the Discover Weekly type thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Which could actually do more. I think we're going to cover this in detail a little bit later. We've been putting it off for a little bit, but we, we've got a, a, a big kind of Spotify versus Apple Music topic planned out, um, Which so I won't, won't spoil that for now. Uh, I'll mention kind of my first pick for things that I'm using more uh, is YouTube. I'm watching more YouTube videos and mostly on the Apple TV. Becoming an Apple TV convert, um, which I did not expect, uh, but we are using that device more and more. Um, and it's kind of nice because it's giving us just a different place to watch things. So I do it uh, when I eat lunch or eat breakfast. I go down to the front room and watch something there. Um, and that's actually kind of nice. And uh, I've been enjoying a couple of new YouTube channels. One that I really, really like uh, is called, uh, the channel is Wheezy Waiter. And it's just a daily vlog type channel. Um, but I really, really enjoy it a lot. Um, so I recommend it. Uh, Craig, who runs the channel, I, I really just like his style. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't really get a lot out of daily vlogs, but his I really enjoy. So I recommend that. So it's kind of a twofer pick. But also on iOS, the YouTube app is getting better and better. Being mm-hmm. able to use it in split screen is awesome. And I love it. Yeah. So yeah, YouTube and Apple TV. And yeah. I'm watching Netflix on the Apple TV more. Um, another of my picks, which I'll get to in a little bit, I'm watching on Apple TV more. Uh, I use maybe three or four apps on it, but I, I really like it. And uh, I'm kind of surprised at myself for that. Uh, so I'm going to go next with Wrapped for iOS, which is a kind of a two-part app. You can sync, I keep mine on Dropbox, a folder of GIFs. And so... You know, thing, funny things I come across, mostly Tim Cook dancing, uh, I can throw in that Dropbox folder and it's synced to the iPhone. So I have a quick access to the GIFs that I like on my phone. 
But you can also search the Giphy database from the app. So I could say, you know, uh, I need a GIF of a dumpster fire and type it in and you can save it to your local library. You can copy a link or copy the image and put it in an iMessage or however else, however else you want to send a GIF. And uh, it's just a nice way. I know there's GIF keyboards and like Slack has Giphy integration and all that stuff, but it's nice to know exactly what you're going to send. Like doing a Giphy command on Slack can go terribly wrong, as everyone knows. So it's nice to have like your own library and searching and it saves your search history so you can go back. And it's a really nice little uh, iOS app that I find a lot of fun. Yeah, I've used it a bunch in the past as well. Like when I was trying to amass a Dropbox-based GIF library, I used GIF Wrapped, but I ended up just giving up on that because the main place that I need GIFs, which is uh, like Slack or you know even a service like Telegram, which I've been using more and more, I just use their integrations, and that works quite nicely for me. Um, and then on on uh, on iOS, I just wait for Stephen to send me gifts instead, than me actually having to do them. Uh, so my 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 video pick would have been also YouTube because, like Mike, I'm using uh, YouTube more and more. Uh, as for the for the vlogs, I'm I'm watching Casey Neistat's uh, every yeah. day. Yeah, so uh, Wheezy Waiter like has said before that he is like purposefully influenced by Casey Neistat and like thinks mm-hmm. about him. So I, whilst I haven't watched Casey Neistat's videos, if you do watch those, you may enjoy my selection too. Okay, okay, I'll check it out. There should be a link in the show notes, Mike. Oh, of course there will be. I mean, look who you're talking to here. Of course there will be. <laughs> so instead of YouTube, which Mike did an excellent job in describing... Um, I'm going to mention DS Video and VLC. So DS Video is the Synology app to stream video from your NAS. And I use it because I have a lot of TV shows that I watch with my girlfriend. And I like the the fact that if a TV show cannot be, what's the, the word here, decoded, uh, the, you know, the video file, if it cannot be streamed in the DS Video app, uh, there's a menu to send it to other video players, and uh, VLC and Infuse are supported. And I use VLC just out of habit, I guess. It works with every video file that I ever have, and uh, I watch hours and hours of. Uh... You know what I actually did is, <laughs> I started watching The Big Bang Theory in December, and we caught up with the with the ninth season uh, a few weeks ago. Congratulations! Thank you. That's but the problem, is, the, pre- the problem is, the um, problem is, I love the Big Bang Theory so much that as soon as we wrapped up with the with the current uh, episode of the current season, I started watching it again from wow. the first episode. It's just like it's almost like listening to music. Before bed, after I, I finished uh, work, after I listen to music, I love to watch a couple of episodes of Big Bang Theory. Even if I already know the story, even mm-hmm. if I already know what happens, it just relaxes me. Yeah, I and, like that with shows like Community, right? Like it's yeah. just easy to do. Yeah, exactly. It's easy to. It's like comfort food for you know TV shows, comfort TV shows. Uh, it's just always there, and it puts me in a good mood before sleeping. So uh, I'm a big fan of the of the Synology that I bought. I have a DS uh, two fourteen Play, I think it's the name, uh, and it works well with the, with the VLC on iOS. So yeah, I use it a lot. My next one is going to be ViscoCam, which I'm sure a lot of listeners are aware of. It is a 
photo, like a camera replacement, and it's got a lot of photo editing. Um, and I, I use a lot of camera apps. I've rotated a lot, have a lot on my phone. Um, Obscura is another great one. Um, but I like Visco a lot because it has a really rich library of filters. And unlike something like uh, Instagram, which has sort of heavy-handed filters, a lot of the Visco ones are very subtle, and you can really go in and tweak them and play with them. And what's really great is that it has its own sort of sync engine. So you can save photos to your library within the app and they sync around your apps. And so I've gotten in the habit of if I'm shooting some with my iPhone in Visco, I'll just I'll go to my pick up my iPad later and edit them there because obviously it's a much larger canvas to work on. Hey, that's the name of Federico's show. <laughs> uh and it's uh it's just a nice set of tools and they have um like I said, a lot of filters, a lot of really fine-grained control. You can export to just about anything. And unlike some uh, iOS like photo apps, it will let you export full size. And this has gotten better over the years. I tried in like 2011, I think, to... Um, I did a big roundup of like trying to manage like a taking a photo a day art project just on iOS. And the limitation I ran into then was almost every photo app only allowed you to export a downsized image and that has thankfully changed as ios devices have gotten more powerful and if if you're into iphone photography and you haven't checked this out then shame on you because it really is a really powerful uh flexible set of tools i broke the round robin you did mike yeah yeah i was meant to go next uh, so i'm gonna go i'm gonna take two now so i'm gonna go now and then i'll go again after federico Round robins, man. How do they work? Nobody knows. No. So yeah. uh, I was talking about video. Uh, I th- I've made it more public recently that I am a fan of professional wrestling. Um, and the WWE have their own subscription streaming service called the WWE Network, and it's awesome. It's so good. If you are a fan, it's fantastic. They have so much stuff there, and they're creating a lot of original programming. Um, is Seth who is the guy who work, who is involved in Family Guy? Is it Seth Green? No, it's Seth MacFarlane. No, Seth Green is a voice. He is Chris. Okay. So Seth Green has just created an adult t- an adult cartoon show called Camp WWE, which is hilarious. Oh, Seth Green is the is the guy from Entourage. Is he yeah, Entourage? Yeah, he was. I think he okay. was. Okay, well, he, yeah, so he's just created a show for them. They have a bunch of great content. The app is pretty good on most devices, but it's just a, a good example of a streaming service that's focused around one thing, and I really like it. So there you go. There's another pick. It's very specialized, but if you like what I like and you don't already have this, then you're crazy. So can I ask you, uh, help me understand here. Mm-hmm. Professional wrestling is all acted Right? Oh God! We're we gonna we're we gonna go into this no, right no. now. I honestly don't know. All like, right, so. is it real fighting or is it like a story? Okay, so there are stories like that I enjoy, like soap opera stories, right? Like people don't actually hate each other, but they like pretend to, and things happen. They're called storylines. Things happen that are acted, right? Mm-hmm, okay. But the action in the ring. Of course, they know what's going on. They're looking to help each other, protect each other, and not hurt each other. But it's real things happening, right? Very frequently, someone's going to get punched in the face. And like that's just the way that they decide to do it. Or someone jumps from 30 feet, 30 
feet down from a cell onto a table. Like, stuff happens. It's not real fighting, but it's real athleticism. Is that fair? Okay, yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, the, 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 the muscles are clearly real. <laughs> yeah. I just wonder, like, is a fight, like, is the outcome decided beforehand? Yeah. Okay. So they just do the, the stuff on, in the ring to reach that outcome. Yeah. But all the moves and the jumping and the punches are real. Yeah, I mean, as I say, they do things to protect each other, right? So they're not actually physically trying to hurt each other, but the moves and the things that you're seeing are real things. And, you know, there's a lot of nuance in this, but that's effectively the idea of it. Okay, got it. Thank you. I would recommend, if anybody is even slightly interested in why I enjoy professional wrestling, uh, I did an episode of Analog with Casey last year talking about this. Um, and I went into a lot more detail, obviously, than I have so far. I will put that in the show notes. I would recommend people go and check it out if they're at all interested. So there you go. Analog episode number 71. Federico, you're up. So my next pick would be, obviously, and this is kind of, you know, I mean, of course, I'm going to mention this. It's Overcast. Uh, I listen to uh, not a lot of podcasts. I'm not uh, the type of guy that listens to like 30 podcasts, but I do have my rotation of four or five shows. Uh, Lately, I've been binging on Cortex and Hello Internet just because I'm on a CGP Grey fever. And uh, Overcast is... Yeah, you can tell him. Um, He'll probably hear it. He listens to this show. All right. All right. Uh... I do like Overcast because of two reasons. The dark theme, it looks great. And it was uh, kind of an inspiration to do our own dark theme on Mac Stories. I think Marco did an excellent job uh, with, the, with the balance of colors. I'm not usually the type of user who switches to dark themes, but in Overcast, I'm, I'm using it and I love it. And the second one, of course, it's uh, Smart Speed. Let's me save time by cutting silence from, from episodes. Uh, and Overcast is just... So it's one of those apps that uh, I immediately go to download, like 1Password or Dropbox. Uh, And it's one of those apps that I cannot imagine uh, using their official Apple-made version instead. I just It's it's a third-party app that does a bunch of things, has a great design. Now it's even getting faster at syncing because of a change that Marco did called uh, QuickSync. So now it works even better uh, across the iPad and the iPhone to sync uh, progress. So yeah, it's one of the very first apps that I put on my devices. Listen to all my podcasts there, and uh, I love it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an Overcast uh, supporter in the in the in the setting with a you know with a little membership patron. thing. Yes, patron, and uh, I love Overcast, and I love listening to podcasts with Overcast. So yeah, that's my pick. I think we're all the same on that one, right? <laughs> like we all have yes. that pick. Yep. Agreed. Um, it's it's my favorite. Um, podcast app for iOS. I just think Marco does a great job, and there are things that he does which makes me never want to leave. Right, which is like the smart speed stuff and, and voice boost and all the things that he thinks about. Even like one of my favorite newer features is the fact that he kind of tweaks the equalizer when you're listening on the phone speaker. I think that's awesome. Um, I will pick my favorite game of all time on iOS, which is Threes. Um, I have recently started playing Threes again a lot. Um, I adore that game. I think it's kind of the perfect phone game. Uh, it's just a little puzzle game, and it's super, super easy to use uh, on iOS. Like It's just a w- great one-handed game. You can play it forever. It kind of, for me anyway, never gets boring because it's so 
simple and it's kind of thrilling as well. Like if you're getting a really high score, uh, it's kind of exciting to see what's going to happen next. I always get this question when I mention threes. My high score is 63,657. It's not a great high score, but it's my high score and I'm proud of it. Uh, I love threes. If you've never played threes, first, what is wrong with you? Two, correct that. I agree. All right, let's take a break and then we can continue with the rest of our list. I want to take a moment to thank Squarespace for sponsoring this week's episode. Squarespace is the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your own site today at squarespace.com. Use the offer code WORLD, W-O-R-L-D, at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you because if it's worth the effort it's worth sharing with the world and when we talk about sharing they make it super easy to do that squarespace has fantastic tools state-of-the-art tools um, that let you very easily customize your site you start with these beautiful templates that are professionally designed and you don't need to know any coding or anything like that to put something together everything's drag and drop you can see all in the web browser how something's going to look it shows you live previews of all the changes that you're making it really is super fantastic and all of the changes are going to look great on all devices because responsive design is built right into squarespace and they have something that i really like when you're making changes to your site on in like a web browser on a desktop, you can click a little button to see how these changes will also look on the iPhone. So you'll know before you push them live how it's going to look uh, on all manner of screen sizes. So it has phone sizes, tablet sizes, and desktop sizes, which I really love. They have a commerce platform, so you can sell physical and digital goods. They have 24-7 support with live chat and email, rock-solid fast hosting, and so much more. Their plans start at just $8 a month, and you will get a free domain name if you sign up for a year. You can start a trial today with no credit card required. It's absolutely free to try out and start building your own website today. Just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code WORLD at checkout when you decide to sign up. This will get you 10% of your first purchase and show your support for Connected. Thank you to Squarespace for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Mr. Hackett, you're up. Yes. So in the theme of iOS photography, which I realized is the theme just now, uh, I'm going to pick a an app for OS X called, I'm going to give this a shot, and you guys jump in if I butcher it, uh, Hodua Geo? Huda. Huda. Huda Geo. Um, it is a Mac app that allows you to geotag photos taken without GPS information. So on this trip, I had my iPhone, of course, and then I had my uh, Canon DSLR with a bunch of lenses. And my Canon does not have uh, a GPS module, and so those photos are not geotagged. What this app lets you do is you can load the photos in the app, and you can do a couple of different things. You can tell the app to use another photo's GPS information. You can say, these are all the pictures of my Canon. This is a picture with my iPhone I took at the same location. Just copy its GPS coordinates. Or you can search. It has map uh, information built into the app, so you can search, hey, I was at this state park, or I was at this building, or whatever. And it will add that data to your EXIF data for the photo. And the reason I like doing this is even though I don't currently use photos.app for reasons we've spoken about, I do want my pictures to have geolocation data for things like day one, or if I end up going back to photos in a moment of weakness. I just like to have that information be complete. 
and it's a really nice way of doing it. There are several apps on the Mac that do this sort of thing, but by far this is the one that not only works the best, but actually looks like uh, a human being designed it and can understand it. A lot of these apps are really not well put together. Um, I can do a bunch more stuff too. You can do um, time shifting. So if you've traveled and never set your camera in the wrong time zone, you can correct that. You can do lots of stuff. Um, but it's uh, it's a great app. It's like it's a little pricey. I mean, it's a professional tool. Um, but uh, I think it's like forty bucks or something. But uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely if you need this, definitely the the app that I have found to be um, the most the most helpful. Two questions. One, does it let you remove information from geotagged photos? That is a good question. Uh, I I think it can. Um, if not, there is another app called... I'm just searching in my applications folder. Uh, it's in there somewhere. It yeah, I got a bunch of stuff in here. There are other apps, though, that allow you to um, to do that, though. Because I, I sometimes have that issue where I take a picture with my iPhone and I want to post it to the website, but I don't want my like home address in that photo. Um, I, I think this app probably does that, but I can't okay. tell you for sure at the moment. The other thing, I guess a good workflow, a good life hack, if you will, would be when you're taking photos on your Canon, just to take one photo with your iPhone at the same place. Yes. Right. And it just does that. I've done that for years. Um, uh, even before when I started adding the data myself, just to have, just to have it around. So yeah, it's, that's a good. Uh, that's a good trick. All right, Federica. So my next uh, pick is uh, again a combination of two apps that I've been using again lately, and it's Moves and Gyroscope. So Gyroscope is actually a service that has a an app in in beta right now on iOS, and Moves is the location tracking uh, app that Facebook acquired a couple of years ago. And to my surprise, it's still around and it's still getting bug fixes and a bunch of features for the latest versions of uh, of iOS. And it doesn't drain as much battery as I remembered. Uh, So I like to... So this kind of originated from my effort of trying to find a purpose for my Apple Watch. And I was thinking about, is it possible that uh, a lot of my friends are enjoying their Apple Watches and I'm not? So is it something that I could use the Apple Watch to, you know, to to see if it works for me? And I thought maybe I should try to find a way to build a log of my life in an automated fashion with a nice interface. Because I think one of my big problems is that I don't like the dashboard of the Apple Health app to mm-hmm. browse data to view trends Agreed. i just don't like the interface so i was wondering could there be maybe a solution to to have this data and make it look pretty so that i'm happy and i keep wearing my apple watch so i i i'm friends with uh Anand, and uh, i think sharma is the name is the guy who runs um you know, he's a April Zero on Twitter, and he runs Gyroscope, which is this crazy good-looking service that uh, builds a dashboard for your life. It connects to a bunch of services like, um, you know, the what's the name of the Strava, the running app, and it connects to 
uh, rescue time if you use mm-hmm. a, um, a computer. So it builds uh, this picture of your life from a fitness perspective, from a productivity perspective. It connects to Twitter, so you can import your images. It connects to Foursquare, so you can view your check-ins. And it also connects to moves. So you can, you can see all of your you know, uh, locations over time. So I put moves on my iPhone. I started wearing the Apple Watch again to have a log of my heart rate every 10 minutes. And now I'm using the beta uh, gyroscope app uh, for um, for the iPhone, which I, I obviously, I, I guess I cannot say too many details about. But it, as you would imagine from gyroscope, it looks amazing. Oh my God, and I've never heard of this. This is so beautiful. Gyroscope is oh my beautiful. Word. It's, gyroscope is beautiful. And it's, you know, they have a fair business model. There's a subscription. Uh, it connects to a lot of services. It's fast. Uh, I think the iPhone app is in beta. So there's like a waiting list, uh, but it looks amazing. It's seriously the best interface for f- uh, heart rate and fitness data that I've seen on the iPhone. So I'm using these two, uh, and you know, I'm kind of my physical therapist advised me uh, to kind of change my exercise routine to do a bunch of things differently. So now that I've made these changes in my life and I'm using t- these two apps, it's fun to you know at the end of each day to kind of open gyroscope, see where I've been, uh, confirm the the data from moves, which fun fact changed from Foursquare uh, location data to Facebook location data, of course. And it's kind of less accurate than before, but it's getting better. So yeah, uh, moves and gyroscope, it's a, it's a fun combo, and I like it. And gyroscope is seriously amazing. <laughs> I mean, uh, if only the interface, it's fantastic. Have you guys heard of a photo sharing service called Instagram? Kinda. Is it the Startup, one with right? the is it the one with the skeuomorphistic uh, icon? <laughs> skeuomorphistic doesn't even exist <laughs> as an it's objective. The one, it's the one that has uh, never updated from iOS six. That one. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one. I love Instagram. Um, it's it's not my most used social network, uh, but it's one that I have the least hate towards of all the social networks that I use. Uh, it's very simple. Things are pre- presented in a very nice way. Their ads are a little bit shady at times in the UK. Um, there's maybe a little bit more uh, debt consolidation ads than I would like. But I really like Instagram because there's only, for me anyway, there's just nice things in there. You know, there aren't people complaining about things. There aren't sad <laughs> things. It tends to just be nice, simple things about people's lives. Um, and being a pen person like I am, I follow, like, lots of my pen friends post great pictures of their pens and the way that they write and beautiful calligraphy and lettering stuff. And there's a bunch of Lego stuff in there. You know, like, I follow very different things than I do on Twitter and in Instagram. And it makes me happy. And I like it for that. And, and I think it's nice to have a social network that I can go to and not have to dread some of the things I might find in there. Nobody talks about Donald Trump in my Instagram feed, right? Mm. There's um, no drama in the pen community. There is, but not. Not on Instagram. It has there's drama? Forums. Oh, yeah. Look, there's drama in every kind of community. We mm. have rumors, you know. About pants? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, yeah. So, you know, it's like every community. But yeah, I like it. Is there that. a 9 to 5 pants? <laughs> there should be. <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Set it up, right? Off I go. There's some pivoting. But yeah, Instagram, look, it's whatever. But uh, mainly my tip is try and have at least one social network that you can go to that isn't sad. I guess my my next pick is not it's 
not really an app. Um, you cheated. You come up with this topic and then cheated. No, it means like, no, it was my idea, so I can do whatever I want to with it. I'm mm. going to choose as, as my next app that I use uh, being a real Kindle. And it's not, you even said app. It's not an app, is it? It's, it's, it is an app, but I don't use the app. I use the device. Um, for a couple of probably obvious reasons that it's nice to read a book when there's not a bunch of notifications coming in. I like the e-ink experience. Um, I like that it is really lightweight if I'm, if I just want to like take it somewhere and go read. I don't have to, especially now with the 12.9 inch iPad, like that's not a really comfortable reading device. And so, yeah, real e-ink Kindle uh, is my last uh, app pick. Sorry. Sorry. It doesn't really make sense, but okay. Um, no, I understand, Steven. So my my so I'm kind of cheating uh, too, and I want to say a game, and it's Basketfall. So it's a very simple iPhone game that I downloaded a few months ago, and there's a it's a game where you have to throw a basketball into you know into the the, the name of the basket. I don't even know. I don't watch sports. The hoop. The hoop, yeah. yes. Or the basket. The basket also works. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, the rim. Have... <laughs> so you have to throw a ball in there, and uh, there's a bunch of obstacles in each level, like spikes or... Uh, what's the name of the bouncy things that uh, change your trajectory? Bouncers? I don't know. You know, with the when, when you play f- uh, with, the, with the flipper, there's like those... The pinball? Like no. A bumper. A bumper. A bumper. A bumper. And there's bumpers, spikes, and you have to time your your tapping on the screen because the hoop is moving sometimes. And uh, there's a lot of modes. So you can play, instead of the traditional basketball stage, you can have, like, you throw food into into an actual basket, or there's, like, themed levels with the... I think Star Wars is even a level, but I play with the basic, free, traditional level. And I play almost every day just to relax. Like sort of like Mike plays threes. Yeah. Uh, I play the basic mode over and over, trying to beat my high score, which is uh, you know shame on me, but it's very low. And I I think I even suck at this game, you know. But I just keep playing it. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, I I suck at this game. This is I'm like terrible. me with threes, right? Like of everybody that I know that plays threes, like as much as I do, I have the lowest high score. But I don't yes. care. No, me neither. I don't care. And every time I play, I realize that I that I'm terrible. I'm awful. And this game is terrible with me. But I just keep playing because it's when you tap the screen and you, you see the little basketball falling down, it's fun. So yeah, uh I mean it's not a very professional game review. There's a lot of modes I haven't tried. The there's enough purchases you can unlock. Uh it's it's fun. It's a it's a fun game. Uh, don't take my advice, go to the app store and check it out. Uh, my last pick is going to be an obvious one. Uh, it's Pigment, the iOS coloring app. Uh, I have been doing less of this recently, but it's still the best iOS coloring app that you can buy. Like If you're looking for this type of experience, I've tried all of the popular ones, and none of them are even close to Pigment. Um, I've also seen that they're working on a, a kind of a redesign of some of their stuff, and, and it looks fantastic, and I'm very pleased that more work is going into this app. I thought the Pixite were going out of business. Maybe I misunderstood that Verge profile that they did. Um, but they're clearly not. And I'm very pleased to see that they're continuing work on Pixite because, uh, on Pigment because it is a fantastic app. 
Um, and I think if you are at all interested in the uh, coloring thing and you have a, an Apple Pencil as well specifically because it works the best there, then I would recommend trying it out because nothing else even comes close to it. And it's fun. It's fun to do. Nice and relaxing. I I do have a one final pick if Steven doesn't have one anymore. Okay. I just have an observation, so you go ahead. Well, please say with the observation for the end. Oh, no, I think it's a little thing we all realize at the end, so you go ahead. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. Is it Narwhal? Yeah, Narwhal, yeah. It's a Reddit client. And uh, I'm what uh, you would call a Reddit uh, lurker, which is I don't engage with a lot of posts. I mm-hmm. do have an account, and I and I I think I've left like one or two comments publicly. Uh, I upvote stuff occasionally, but I just browse Reddit a lot. I'm subscribed to the Workflow uh, Reddit, to the Spotify Reddit, which is a great place to discover playlists from other people, by the way. Uh, And I just browse the front page. I browse pictures of dogs because I love dogs. And uh, Narwhal makes it easy. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good iOS citizen. It supports Safari View controller. It's got a dark theme. It supports, uh, you know, uh, sharing extensions. Split screen. Split screen on the iPad. In fact, I do use Narwhal on the iPhone and the iPad. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's a very, very stable, never crashes on me. Uh, fast. Looks great on the iPad Pro, looks great on the iPhone. Uh, so every day I spend like 20 minutes browsing Reddit. Uh, it's always fun to come across a Spotify playlist or a workflow comment thread that I'm interested in too, or just a, a funny dog gif that I then share with my girlfriend on Telegram. So yeah, Narwhal. And it's also made by a great guy, so, you know. I use and love Narwhal. Uh, the reason I didn't pick it is because it's a work thing for me. Um, oh yeah, I'm yeah. only I'm the only Reddit that I subscribe to is the CGP Grey subreddit because <laughs> that's where there's a lot of conversation about Cortex. So like I'm not even subscribed to the front page. When I open Reddit, all I see is Grey subreddit because I'm not really big into Reddit. Really, like I just don't really have time for another place. Uh, but I really love it. And uh, Adina, my partner, uh, who was just on an episode of Analog with me, actually, which was a lot of fun. If you're at all interested in hearing me and my better half have a conversation, uh, you should go and listen to that one. It was fun. I listened. She has a great accent. I she mean, does, she, right? She she actually almost doesn't have an accent. It's just, you know, great English. I was uh, I was surprised, you know. Her accent is very strong, but she's really? great. Yes, it's very strong. Maybe I don't know why you don't hear it, but it's, no, it's a strong accent, but it's a great one. I like it a lot. And her uh, attempts at doing an English accent are hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> so you can go and listen to that. But anyway, she uses Narwhal, and she is a big Reddit person. And she was so happy when I introduced her to this app. She was using Alien Blue before, which Alien Blue is a disaster of design or at least it was, uh, yeah. that thing used to break my brain. Like when you'd press a button and then like 65 buttons would appear in a diagonal view. Like, what are you doing? That app, mm-hmm. I think is now dead, right? It's been replaced by a redesigned Reddit app. Yes, and they gave all customers, I think, three months of Reddit gold. gold. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a paid-for app. But um, yes. for me, Narwhal is the only place to go. I uh, love that application. Yeah. So, Stephen, make your observation, which is true for all of us, I think. Yeah, so f- for me, the in coming up with this list was the realization that it's really hard for me to 
separate on my devices and even on my Mac, uh, work and personal stuff. So, uh, the, the apps that I, uh, mentioned, most of them are personal use, but obviously some are a mix of both. And it's the idea that, you know, these devices, at least for me, don't have a big like boundaries like they used to. When I had a job, I used the Gmail app for work email to keep it separate from everything else. And now that's not as important to me. And it, it, it sort of was part of a bigger idea that like all I do is work. Like just really something that I'm thinking a lot about right now is how much time I spend working, but it's, it was not a complaint. I love what I do, but well, but this is the thing that our working is also a lot of, we're getting very deep here now is what a lot of people do for enjoyment. So a lot of the things that that, that line is blurred now, mm-hmm. right? So things like Slack, things like Twitter, things like RSS readers. They used to be all of the things that we enjoyed to just do as a hobby, but yeah. now they have become pivotal parts of our work, and that's where the lines start to get blurred. But it can't be something that we complain too much about because we're no. in very privileged positions. Yes. But I completely understand what Stephen is saying because mm-hmm. I was looking at this device and I was like, there are so many things here that cross over into the work boundary. Yeah. I mean, if I'm talking to Mike over Telegram about some Apple news, is that work or is that just hanging out with a friend and chatting about our common interest? I don't right. know. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you, Mike. It's not, I mean, it's a super like first world problem that it is the firstest of all first world it problems. Is. Um, but it is like an interesting commentary just on like self-employment in general. I know we're getting like all cortex and analogy for a second, but like these devices, you know, the, the, the idea of the conversation is going on that, that the, is the phone, like an extension of your brain. Um, I truly believe that it is because like the phone doesn't see the boundaries in my life the way that I do. Right, that it sees work and family and kids and house and everything else as like one big uh, collection of emails and text and images and, and everything else. Right, there's no very rarely for me at least there are no clear boundaries between those things. And so the way that I think about them really, in a way, is completely artificial. That the technology doesn't care. Right, like Mail that app doesn't know like which of my email accounts is work and which one's personal, which one I, I should care about at any given time. And I don't know, it's just, it's an interesting thought process to go through. Um, but what I, what I really um, like about, especially my iPhone is that it kind of doesn't matter because it can do all of these things really well. And I can, I can switch context very quickly and, and work very fluidly no matter where I am. And like you guys with the iPad, I, I don't look at anything that I can that I can't do on my phone because even now that I work at home most days, there are days like today that I'm not going to be home all day, and I need to get my job done on my phone. And um, I'm actually in the middle of a um, I've got a Samsung uh, the S7 Edge on my desk, and I'm kind of working on a review of slowly. And like that's always a sticking point for me is that uh, as much as I like that hardware. Uh, for the most part, and as as good as Android has gotten, I still have certain things that I'm locked into iOS because of the the apps that I use, and and for me, it's like kind of a no brainer. Like I can't switch to Android because there are things that are so critical in my workflow that I don't want to change. And um, so I don't know. It's just this is this big conversation of like 
where do devices stop and start and when where does work and personal life stop and start and um so i don't know it was actually kind of hard for me to find however many i said five or six things that were sort of purely personal use like like uh the reddit app for you mike that uh, you and Federico use it differently, and I, I'm somewhere in between. I do a little bit of work on there with 512 and the Apple and Vintage Apple communities, uh, but then I also just peruse Reddit because it's fun. And so, it's uh, it's all kind of messy in there right now for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a I wouldn't say it's a problem for me, but it's sort of something I'm I'm coming to terms with. Like if I listen to some music, and I listen for myself. But then the the people who follow me, and I'm trying not to sound like a pretentious snob here, but if people who follow me ask me to write about some of the music that I listen to, and I've done that in, in our newsletter, am I listening to music for work? Or is it just, you know, a byproduct of the fact that at this point, some folks follow me and, and us with the Maxor Steam, not necessarily because of... Apple News or apps, but just because they feel like following a friend, if it makes any sense. And so is that work for me? Uh, Is it watching a movie and then talking about it just casually in a newsletter or in a podcast? Is it playing video games my uh, part of work? Is it my job? I don't know. It's it's odd, but I, I, I feel super lucky that I'm in this position. Like, I try not to see it as a problem. I try to see it as a huge privilege. And the fact that I you know, that there's people who listen to what we say, even if it's not necessarily and strictly about Apple News or technology, that's super amazing to me. So it's odd to have this kind of balance and it can get tricky sometimes when you're like trying to hang out with friends in real life and then, you know, there's people on the on the internet who message you. Uh, but, you know, there's worse stuff in life to worry about than work stuff bleeding into real life and real life sort of becoming strange. So at the end of the day, whatever is my, is my slogan. So yeah, I'm trying to go with the flow here, guys. Try not to worry about it too much. (laughs) I don't know if it makes any sense. Well, that took a turn. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm in a good mood. You know, this is awesome to me. This is amazing. So I, I want to I want to leave you on an uplifting note mm-hmm. to tell you that I'm very happy about our current situation. Good. I'm happy about my life. Mike That's good Steven. to know. I think yes. we all are. I think we all are. Yes. We're very lucky. And uh, we are in this position because of all the fantastic people out there that listen to us and support us. And we want to thank you all for doing that. Even if we are uh, a bunch of weirdos who talk on a podcast, we appreciate yes. it very greatly. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to find our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 89. I've put links into all of the things that we've spoken about this week. There's a lot of show notes this week. They should be in your uh, app of choice, but they're not always. So go and head over there and you can uh, you can find all of our links if you haven't got them. Thanks again to Squarespace and Braintree for helping support this week's episode. Thank you to them. And of course, if you want to find us online, there's a few places you can do that. We're all on Twitter. Federico's at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is at I-S-M-H, and I am I-M-I-K, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, you can also head over to maxstories.net and 512pixels.net for more uh, of the work of my fantastic co-hosts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci.
Adios.